Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior. This is our Tactical Tuesday episode. These are practical insights to guide you in your journey in the clean energy revolution, whether that is with a business or your own personal career development. We're here each and every Tuesday to give you guidance from the pioneers, the thought leaders, those clean energy experts on the front lines of the energy transition. Today's expert guest is my friend and expert marketer, Megan Gaynor. Megan, as you may recall, is the head of marketing for DSD Renewables, one of the premier community solar developers out of the Northeast here in the United States. And Megan is a pro at unpacking the dual purpose of marketing and sales, especially for small companies, how to divide your time and prioritize your tasks, the art and architecting of building a brand from the ground up, and really how important it is to think of your customer first from a marketing perspective. Megan delivers on so many marketing insights and just general corporate brand excellence. I hope you'll stick around for all 20 minutes of today's show. And if you like this kind of insight, you're in luck because each and every Tuesday, we deploy another Tactical Tuesday with expert guides from the energy transition front lines. I hope that you'll subscribe to the show. Come back and see us Thursdays and Tuesdays to grow your business and personal career. But for now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solo Warrior, with another practical, tactical conversation here on Suncast. You know, one of the things that a lot of marketers forget and that you and I have talked about a bit in prep for this discussion is the duality of customer for a marketer at, especially at a big company, but increasingly at small companies as folks are trying to build out sales teams. The marketing team serves two functions, uh, well, many, many, many functions, but with respect to the customer, it's to serve the internal customer, the sales team, to make sure they have everything they need to grease the skids, to make it easy for them to make the sale by educating the external customer. So you've got these two customers, right? You've got to serve the salespeople with good leads, qualified leads, good educational collateral, and sort of set the plate or set the table for the banquet. But you've also got to attract that end customer. How has that created friction and opportunities for growth for you in the companies that you've uh, worked with up to now? I would say where the friction lies is how do you divide your time, right? How do you prioritize it? Because every salesperson, especially when you, when you um, have very large and complicated sales organizations, they become, you know, the loudest person in the room wants to get something, but you really have to take a step back and say, well, is this one person the only person that's going to leverage this you know, piece? So if I have X amount of time in my day, am I going to spend it on something that they're asking for because they are the loudest in the room? Or should I instead 
spend it on developing something that may loosely fit what they need it for, but also help, you know, other folks within the organization. So there's that piece. And then the other piece, too, is walking that fine line between understanding what your role is as a marketer and getting the sales team to understand what your role is as a marketer. So my role as a marketer is not to hand them hot leads. That's right. In all fairness to me, because then I would just be a salesperson and I prefer to just get the commissions for those hot leads. Right, right. (laughs) My role, right. So my role is to set them up for success so that they don't need to particularly ask for things from me and so that they can put their best foot forward. And the marketing, the marketing piece actually becomes like a behind the scenes, I don't really exist. You've done your job well if it's a if it's a layup for them. Exactly. Yeah, I'm doing air quotes exactly. here for those and who can't so, see us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I so ideally like you know, mar- to me, marketing doesn't exist to get a pat on the back for delivering something in particular. Marketing exists to be sort of that underlying foundation that's just there. That customers expect and 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 that our sales team feels confident going to market with. And a lot of that has to do with continuity and building a brand from the ground up and ensuring that that continuity of brand is not only in, of course, all of the materials and the, you know, the look and feel of stuff that you're putting out there, but the way the entire organization from the sales team all the way to the folks who are you know, in accounts payable, work and operate. So it's that blending of brand and culture that to me is is most important, especially when starting sort of from the ground up. Well, we're definitely going to talk about the ground up in just a moment. I would love to hear from that broad perspective that you've presented. I mean, we're talking companies that either are or went on to be publicly traded companies, Comcast, GE, Sun Edison, SolarCity was acquired by Tesla. Were there any particular, we'll call it from on high, from the organizational infrastructure, from your university, from your own learning, were there mental models or maps that you began to create, tools that you learned and now are deploying at DSD that have served you to address exactly what we just discussed? There definitely are. I mean, what I'm talking about is, is not rocket science. It's essentially blending all of my experience together into what I see as, to me, seems very just logical. But what I also see is not actually practice widespread, especially not within our industry. The one thing I go back to, and it's funny because it, it actually did kind of start at Comcast, despite the fact that everybody is going to disagree with me who is a current Comcast customer, is customer first. We had, we had a saying at Comcast that was think customer first. Some brilliant person thought of it in order to help turn around our um, or attempt to turn around our customer experience, which was obviously a, a thorn in Comcast side and probably still is to this day. But think customer first has always resonated with me. And the idea that if you have a customer centric mindset, you will not only attract the customers that will bring you the most lifetime value, but that you will be seen as that that will be identified as an outlier more often than not. And so then you can overcome things like needing to have the lowest price or needing to have the most bells and whistles. Because at the end of the day, if you're thinking customer first, you have the exact right product 
for the customers that you're trying to serve. And they will pay whatever they value for that product. That to me is, is one definite underlying model that drives me every day. Um, in terms of tools and just, you know, kind of what I, how I approach my job um, and my career, number one is be curious. And it kind of goes hand in hand with thinking customer first is, you know, always ask questions, always listen to the answers. When nobody is raising their hand to do something or take something on, that's generally an opportunity for you to raise your hand, even if you have no idea what you're doing, because nobody else has any idea what they're doing either. Therefore, when you screw up, they can't complain. (laughs) I'm sure you must have a million examples, but is there a concrete example of how you did that and it, and it helped you on that ascension of your own career? I guess the first time I did this, that it proved out is, is the story I'm going to tell because um, it's when I decided that this was actually something that, and this is to this day, something that I give advice to anytime people ask for advice. When I was at Comcast, I was brought on board for my second role within Comcast to help start up Comcast business. And by help start up, I, I solely mean that I was one of the first employees. I was not actually looked to for, for strategy or anything like that. So don't take, don't take that beyond more than what it actually is. <laughs> to help execute on the plan other people made. Yeah, got exactly. it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, uh, so a larger initiative at Comcast was happening at the time where we had gotten to the point where our billing system turned into our CRM, which actually happens a lot in large organizations. And therefore, we needed to pivot to Salesforce and redeploy a CRM. Mm-hmm. Long story short, we basically had to go through our billing system and identify all of the various billing codes within that were developed in the last 20 years and figure out what they map to. Nobody within our relatively small, call it, you know, 10 to 15 person headquarter B2B team knew even where to start or wanted to, frankly, touch this with a 10 foot pole because it was going to be obnoxious. So I took this as an opportunity to say, let me make a name of myself here at headquarters and raise my hand and take this on because I know I'm going to have to touch every single piece of this organization in order to get this done. I also knew it was probably something that I would do and never, ever want to do again, which is 100% true. And yet at the same time, I found myself deploying a new CRM at Sun Edison, deploying a new CRM here at DSD. Go figure. The skills, yeah. (laughs) They came in handy, even though I knew what I was getting into. And sure enough, it did. Not only did it give me exposure to other areas that were developing within the organization, I learned about, you know, ways to change process, ways to affect, um, you know, better efficiencies within an organization as a whole. And it gave me exposure to leadership within Comcast that I would have never gotten as quickly as I did by taking on this project. And so that was super valuable. And I saw that as an opportunity where even if something looks messy, even if you have no idea what you're doing going into it, if nobody else is willing to take it on, but it's important, then it's totally worth you raising your hand and learning something new. And you never have to do it again necessarily, but you will be glad that you did. And recognize the transferable skill opportunity to learn something that is universal and you don't get tapped to lead a CRM migration, for example, at the strategy level, if you haven't rolled up your sleeves at some level and done the nuts and bolts gravity work. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and 
Not to say that my CRM deployments at Sun Edison and here at DSC were clean because I have that experience because they are always messy. But at least I knew with each iteration, I knew the questions I needed to ask. Oh, um, that is so to powerful. To the answers I needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> know the questions that you need to ask. I think that that yes. might be one of the great takeaways from not only this interview, but all of them is our career, the trajectory of our career helps to formulate an understanding of the questions we need to ask. If we remain vulnerable and curious and open to the idea that we don't have all the answers, but we at least are informed enough to ask the right questions, that for me is, is what defines great leadership. I think the other big piece there too is to be okay with making mistakes. Um, and owning mistakes and taking accountability for it and knowing that you can just make sure you learn from them and just move on. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think too, especially young folks or people who are young in their careers are afraid to make mistakes. And, and actually I do, there are definitely some leaders out there who don't hold themselves accountable and it's clear and it's, detrimental to the organization as a whole when a leader does that. So I think that's another just just key point that I always try to keep in mind. Megan, I'm going to fast forward a couple of roles. I want to get a sense for how your career has begun to really develop you into an executive leader. You now head marketing for DSD, as we've discussed. You were doing some really interesting work at Tesla, managing channel partnerships, et cetera. How did you know that it was time to go? It was time to start looking for something new. And how did that that next opportunity present itself for you? Yeah. So at Tesla, it was, you know, it's a very dynamic place to work, of course. Um, But I was starting to really lose some motivation because it just felt like everything was about the vehicles and it felt like the energy business was always sort of secondary. And so I started to search for new opportunities and and keep my eyes out, essentially. Not super active. Uh, We also wanted to move back east, move our family back east to be closer to family. So I was looking for opportunities there. In a very timely manner, one of my old Sun Edison colleagues actually reached out and was asking me a question about the channel partnership program that I had developed there. I answered his question and he said, oh, by the way, you know, here at GE Solar, we're, we're looking for somebody to head up marketing. I know you have a marketing background. Do you happen to know anybody who might be interested? I asked him where it was going to be located. Um, and he said, East Coast. I said, ding, ding, ding. I said, you know, I might be interested in learning more. Started to brush up my resume. I was not anticipating needing to, you know, actually be proactive <laughs> that quickly, but brushed up my resume, sent it on over. You know, six months later, I landed at GE Solar. Honestly, did not think I was ever going to become part of a large organization again. It was not really where I wanted to be per se, although going through sort of the Sun Edison, Solar City, Tesla, Solar Coaster, I was also kind of looking for a little more stability for at least a little bit, you know, to get my footing again. So it did present as another opportunity to kind of be a part of a startup-y type company within the lar- a large organization, you know, so it feels entrepreneurial, with a, but safe, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, it's interesting. I've seen a lot of my colleagues go into or come out of GE Solar. Surely you did your research. What was it that attracted you to the team that at that time was, I would say, like restarting, I don't know, for the third, fourth, fifth time 
a solar division inside of GE? Honestly, it was it was the folks I was talking to in interviews. The interview process for GE Solar was probably one of I don't want to say it's one of the easiest, but it was it was just having conversations and like we all kind of meshed really well together from the get go. It felt like I knew these people for a while. And then what really sealed the deal was when I met our CEO Eric Sheeman. Remember, we were at the you know the old GE plant. Well, it's still there in Schenectady, New York. And I was sitting, uh, you know, in a conference room talking to Eric and he was just so straightforward and transparent. Also just so realistic um, and down to earth and uh, understood what it took to make a solar developer work and frankly scale in a very, you know, responsible way, which... <laughs> Coming from the companies I came from, responsibility was not necessarily at the forefront <laughs> So, um, in terms of running a business. So he really sealed the deal for me. And, and I was like, I'm going to follow this leader, you know, with whatever he does. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on SunCast. Yeah, You, thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about Suncast. I know, I can hardly believe it myself. (laughs) But that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all, I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. You touched a little bit on the next thing that I wanted to unpack because a lot of folks would think, oh, spun out of GE, head of marketing for the BlackRock backed company. What does a head of marketing for a company like that do? Can you unpack a bit? What's your role? What are you responsible for? How do you organize the tasks that push the, you know, the marketing side of DSD forward? Maybe as a part of that answer, what does marketing even mean for uh, the head of marketing at DSD? In a nutshell, I manage the way people externally and internally view our company. So from a brand perspective, I help um, or I have developed our brand. And then I make sure that everybody within the company understands that brand, therefore can be a brand ambassador and make sure that what we want ourselves to be is what people externally see us as and maintain that consistency throughout. And so it becomes a consistency with experience with us as an organization, experience with us as a brand, so that people understand exactly what we stand for. 
that's sort of the, the marketing side of things. And then from the communication side of things, I manage all of our external and internal communication. Um, so how do we communicate as a company to our customers, to our partners externally, as well as how do we communicate together. So I work really closely with our HR, our head of HR, um, to make sure that our culture and our values are all aligned and again, aligned with that brand. What that translates into is everything from our website to collateral pieces, to proposals, to press releases, videos, photography, anything that we put out there that represents who we are and what we do, you know, has my fingerprints on it in some way, shape or form. Um, So from a day-to-day perspective, it it completely varies. Um, This week, because it is December, I was heavily focused the first half of the week of getting together what are our, you know, holiday cards and gifts for customers and partners going to look like and how many do we need. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Blocking and tackling right there. (laughs) Exactly. It's like it could be simple as that or it could be like earlier this year, you know, what's going to happen when we completely cut away from GE. GE no longer has a stake in our company. What does that look like? We need to make sure that we take any, you know, reference to ourselves being a GE Renewable Energy Venture off of every place. You know, where, where does it all exist? Trying to tackle that beast as well. So, it runs the gamut. There's plenty to do on any given day. I'm never bored. <laughs> I'm impressed that you uh, have taken a model of kind of solopreneur on the marketing side of DSD to have an agency, a PR firm, and a consultant. Is that a decision that you made uh, independent of leadership team, or is that part of the culture of DSD? I'm, I'm also curious how often you're engaged with that team, but the, but the sort of decision framework per, first. So it's a little of A and a little of B. So um, basically, you know, as a very lean organization, we try to outsource where it makes the most sense to outsource. And this is one of those places that it makes a ton of sense, especially the way that I approach agency management. Some people approach agency management in terms of what are you going to do for me? Here are the deliverables I need you to give me. I look at my agencies as as true extensions of our team. You need to understand who we are as a business, what we do, what our strategy is, so that you can help me come up with new and inventive ways for us to go to market. So it makes a lot of sense for us to do this for now. As we continue to grow, I definitely will need you know, employees internally to be able to do some stuff. But for now, from a financial perspective, it makes just as much sense for us to outsource it. So as you start to think about, and you've hired in in the past, not only your agencies, but, but staff, what do you first look for on a resume? I actually will scroll the resume and just try to tease out the ability to learn new things and take on things as needed. Largely because most of the most of the organizations that I've worked with, even within Comcast, we were still lean because we were a startup within Comcast. We usually are hiring one person where the description that is other duties as assigned is most of what they're going to going to be doing. So you need somebody who can take initiative, who can jump in and learn something really quickly. Um, and so that's what I look for the most. When a resume looks like it's the same thing job to job over and over, they're probably not going to be a good fit because usually I'm hiring for a role that will not be the same thing <laughs> over and over. Most of the job descriptions are written 
by people who don't have time to write job descriptions. They really just need to fill a role. And they're thinking of the things top of mind that they know they can delegate. And there's a litany of things that they don't know that they have to have off their plate yet. And they didn't have time to put it in the job description. And you can't look at the job description as the be all to end all for what your role is going to be. You have to go in there selling as hard as you can about what you can do for that organization. Just going on that too, um, in terms of sort of that next step after when I, what I look for in an interview, I'm looking for somebody who can tell me their story. Ooh, like, yeah. what is your story and, and what brought you here? And where are you going to take it from here? I learned that uh, largely, you know, going through the MBA process and trying to pivot into a new industry is that I needed to know my story inside and out. Like, why did I deserve to be here and why it would be a good fit? And so that to me is, is super important. And, and I guess that's, that's the advice that I give to absolutely anybody who wants to have like an informational interview with me. As I just say, just know your story, get your story down. Hey, I appreciate you making it all the way to the end. And I want to say thank you once again to our friends, Megan and DSD Renewables for dispensing such wisdom. What did you learn? What are you going to take away? Would you let me know? Please feel free to reach out to me directly. Nico at mysuncast.com. Go to mysuncast.com and leave me a voicemail or shoot us a message. I actually am the one who most often responds to the SMS messages in the little chat bot that pops up at mysuncast.com. Hey, while you're there, you can grab show notes from today's episode and all of the other 600 plus episodes that you will find in the Suncast back catalog. And if you're new here, I hope that you'll take a moment now that you've finished an episode and rate and review the show. You can do that so easily when whatever podcast app you are listening to, probably you're on Apple or Spotify if statistics are accurate. So would you please click on that five stars and leave your enthusiastic support for us so that others just like you can find the show? I would so appreciate it. And if you are on web and looking for an easy way, you could just go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast. Thanks as always to our sponsors who help make sure that this is free to you each and every week. If you'd like to learn how to join them, you can go to mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor and learn ways to communicate as they do with thousands of solar warriors and climate champions each and every week. Thanks so much for giving us your time and attention. Hope we'll see you back here on Thursday. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle. 